Good morning. It is time to get up with the rubber about to hit the road. The day we've been waiting for has arrived and the Bears are ready to react. We've got the latest. Plus, Mel, mock number two and a huge decision right at the top. Let the risky business begin. We've got all the opinions. And for the first time, the Cowboys ownership addresses their culture issues. Wait till you hear what they had to say. All that and more. Let's get this thing going on. Get up this morning on a Wednesday. All by myself, but by no means alone. The squad is ready to go. We got Lewis. We got Jeff. We got Dominique. Mel Kuyper will join us. But we begin with not the one, but the two craziest game-winning shots of the year, both last night. Let's start with the Cavs and the Mavs. Take it away. Doncic bounce underneath the PJ and he laid it in with 2.6 to go. Cavs out of timeout. Struce into Mobley. Back to Max. Half court shot. Good! Good! He hit it! Cavs win! This place is going crazy! Max Struce, that's the second longest game winning buzzer beater in the three point era as the Cavs beat the Mavs. But it wasn't the only one of the night. Show me the college. That one was on the road. Jared Lucas, 23 points. Those three win the night. Nevada takes down Colorado State, 77-74. How about the action? Meanwhile, the action in the NFL is all at the combine. The Chicago Bears are on the clock, and we are rolling. Chicago has number one. They have number nine, and they have 24-year-old Justin Fields entering year four. Here's their general manager, Ryan Poles, who holds the entire league in the palm of his hand on what Fields' future holds. I would love to know as soon as possible. Right. I mean, I, mean, I would love to know, um, but I know that's not how the process works. I'm sure, before free agency would be good. I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. Okay, so as we mentioned, and our squad is ready to roll here, Lewis Riddick, I'll start with you, because Ryan Poles is in a position that very few people when you consider all of the assets he has at his disposal, have ever been in before. So put yourself in his shoes. What are the things, what are the foremost things he's dealing with and thinking about and needs to get done right now? Look, I think, first of all, he has to do all the legwork and make sure that where he's already leaning in terms of which quarterback that he wants, supposing that he wants a quarterback, is actually the guy who ultimately is going to be the best fit for his organization. He's talked about numerous times about the fact that, you know, he can judge the skill set he believes confidently. He feels that he can wind up nailing the guy that fits from a skill set perspective what he wants. It's about nailing the person. So I think right now that's the thing that he's trying to drill down on the most. If he has in his mind already the guy that he wants from a skill set perspective, he's trying to figure out, is this the right guy for Chicago? Is this the right right guy for this building? Is this the right guy for this coaching staff and for this locker room? That's what he's trying to figure out. Is it that guy on your screen? Is it Caleb Williams? Is it Jaden Daniels? Is it Drake May? Whoever it is. Secondly, I think what he's trying to figure out is this. If I am going to go ahead and get a quarterback, uh, you know, then what I need people to do right now is, unless the only way you're going to talk me out of taking a quarterback at this position right now is, 
Someone who wants a quarterback, who wants to pick number one overall, I need them to make their best offer to me. I need them to come to me now. And I think that's what he's referring to in terms of, you know, I don't want to – I want to do right by Justin. No one wants to live in the gray. I think he would love for somebody to step up right now and say, hey, look, this is what we're going to give you, whether it be Washington where you trade from, from one back to two. And who knows? Peter King put this out there, right? Maybe then Atlanta comes and says, hey – we want to pick number three. We want to pick number two. So we'll come up to number two, and you drop down to number eight. And then they have the number eight and number nine picks. And then he sits there with Justin Fields himself and goes, hey, look. Look at all these picks that I have now. Eight picks in the top two rounds over the next two years, I think, was something that Peter had put out there. Can you imagine if he pulled that kind of thing off, if someone came to him and said, hey, look. We can go ahead and offer you an absolute treasure trove that you could set this team up for the next 10, 15 years if you believe that you can still win with Justin Fields as your quarterback, which you will find just as many people who say that you can win with Justin Fields as you will find that will say you can't win with Justin Fields. So I think right now he's bouncing both of those scenarios. Have I drilled down on the guy that I actually want? And if there, is there a team that's going to come up and make this tough for me and go, hey, look, we can offer you some things that maybe can dissuade you from picking a quarterback number one overall and setting up Chicago for the next two decades. So what you're suggesting is that every man, and he is one of them, has a price for even the number one pick if That's it right. is a quarterback people love. So That's Jeff right. Darlington, my insider extraordinaire, we, I feel like we just saw that play out a couple of years ago with another very high-profile quarterback. Well, that did happen with Joe Burrow. There were teams trying to reach out to the Bengals, quite frankly, with very high offers. And ultimately, the Bengals were steadfast the entire time. Let me paint a picture for you, though, about what's happening in Indianapolis right now. I've covered 17 scouting combines, and I can tell you the on-field evaluations, very important. The in-meeting evaluations, very important. But what else will be very important for Ryan Poles is all of the hallways within Indianapolis, all of the restaurants, all of the bars. He will be the most popular man in Indianapolis for two reasons. Caleb Williams, which he could take at number one, but also Justin Fields. This is the time when teams will start to discuss with the Bears how much it will take to get Justin Fields and whether they are interested. So not only is he weighing the idea of Caleb Williams and that trade, something that the Bengals dealt with several years ago, but also he has the other ace in his sleeve, which is Justin Fields and how much it will take to get him. A lot is happening in Indianapolis right now that could shape the NFL for the next 10 to 15 years. Absolutely. And again, the, the obvious difference between the Cincinnati situation with Burrow and this situation in Chicago is that Cincinnati didn't have Justin Fields, who was a reasonable mm -hmm. second option or exactly other right. option or however you want to put it. So it's a fascinating dynamic. And when Ryan Pohl says he doesn't want to make Justin live in the gray – Lewis, if I consider, Nick, I'll come to you in one second, but Lewis, if I consider your scenario, if he's really going to hold out and mm. wait and hear what people are willing to give him for the number one pick, then Justin might be living in the gray a little longer than we all expect. Yeah, I think, you know, what he wants ideally and what he's going to get can be two totally different things. He doesn't want to live in the gray. He doesn't want to live in the gray, let alone what he doesn't want to do to Justin Fields. But look, this is business, and this is big business. And this is business that right now will shape the course of his career, shape the course of the uh, Chicago Bears franchise, and ultimately will, you know, will shape how people view 
Ryan Poles as a team builder and as a general manager because he really – look, I think he could wind up winning in one of two ways. He could draft a franchise quarterback that they haven't had in years, if presumably that's Caleb Williams, or he could wind up getting the hall of all draft halls, building a great football team, and still winning with Justin Fields, who, like I said – Many people believe, and even people in his own locker room believe, you can win with him, just support him. So he's got a lot to weigh. All right, so Dominique Foxworth, you always have a delightful way of sitting back, absorbing everything everyone says, and then distilling it down to something simple. So what is it? What is on your mind right now? Well, that's a lot of pressure, first of all, but I would say that the point that Lewis was just making about how much pressure is on this decision for Ryan Poles and how it could make or break his career is an important one, and that means they have to go through this process and consider all the options and who's the best quarterback. I think if we look around the league now at the mm -hmm. top quarterbacks in the league, Joe Burrow comes to mind as the only one that I can think of that was a number one overall pick. So while we yeah. all go into this draft process and we all are so sure, <laughs> consensus, this is the guy, you can't pass on this guy, Ryan Poles kind of has to put that out of his mind and not necessarily let the momentum decide what he should do, but make the best decision because at the end of the day, his job, frankly, as, as um, we can distill this down to this one decision, his job and his future as uh, an executive in the NFL could be riding on who he selects or what he decides to do with this number one overall pick. Well, you make a fascinating point. And Jeff, if, if I, as you just make me sort of start jotting these down, all the other guys besides Burrow not only weren't the first pick in the draft, they weren't the first quarterbacks taken in their respective drafts. Mm. If you consider Mahomes and Allen and Herbert and some of the other guys that everyone is in love with. So the process is imperfect in so many ways. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, you talk about consensus. The year Justin Fields was drafted, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance were drafted, what, eight <laughs> picks before him? Yeesh. There's your consensus. So take it all to Nick's right. point. And, and if you're Ryan Poles, go into this, evaluate exactly as you believe, and make a decision based on that. I could easily have gone the whole day without you saying that, but I'll, I, will, I will accept it because it obviously is a good point and it's well made. By the way, on the subject of, and, and Lewis understands this as well as anybody, on the subject of what is at stake here for the people making these decisions, and again, Ryan Poles is, is in a spotlight, the likes of which I can't remember any executive being in in a very long time. I want you to hear Brandon Bean. He was talking about when they made the decision to trade up to take Josh Allen and what he knew was at stake. I think it, it, it really shines a light on what's going on here. I mean, we got criticized a little bit for how much we gave up for Josh. And I'm like, well, if he doesn't work out, I'm not going to be here anyway. And if he does work out, nobody's going to give a <laughs> I mean, Lewis, right? I mean, you want to talk about distilling it down to its very basic? I'm, I'm, I'm betting my job right. on this guy and if it works out, no one will care what I gave up to get him. It's, it's, that, that's the game everybody's playing right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, no question about that. No question. Look, ultimately, we, we never talk about what teams gave up to acquire a player when that player winds up delivering. We never talk about that. We're just always – we're very much so geared towards holding people's feet to the fire when things don't work out. That's when we get into the minutia of what you gave up to give for someone or what kind of contract you gave someone. And, look, I tell you what, Ryan right now – I mean, he, there's no question he's in the same type of position right now. Because whether he picks 
look, Caleb Williams or whether or not he trades down and keeps Justin Fields. There's going to be people who are not happy who are just going to sit back and wait for that gotcha moment. That's what they're waiting for, and he understands it, but he can't let that affect him to Dominique's point. And he, but trust me, consensus is one thing. That's us. That's what we're talking about. What he has to do is trust his evaluation and his structure and make the best decision possible, which I don't envy him, but I'd love to be in that spot that he's in. No question about it. Look, I mean, the bottom line of it is he's got to choose between four quarterbacks. And if he doesn't choose the one who winds up being the best, whether it's fair or not, the world is going to say he blew it. And, and that is where we sit right, right now. Right? Everyone stay working somewhere you, else. You don't like the right, Nick? I mean, that, that's, it's that simple. He's, he's going yeah. to get... I, I mean, before before we go to break, I would like yeah. to point out last year to C.J. Stroud was uh, not considered a consensus number one. But one person who is here who is very smart and knows quarterback evaluations got it right. And it seems like the Panthers oh, right. did not. No, you were no. talking about the no, debonair bull fellow not, on the right not, of your screen. Yeah, it's not it's not. It's not you, Darlington. It's that guy over your right shoulder, oh, that guy. Right. That's why you have my picture up there. Okay. <laughs> I just keep a picture of right. behind me. Just to remind me. There's a reason why you keep me. There's a reason why you keep me close to your heart. I, I understand. I get it. That's usually on my nightstand, but I moved it in here for today's show. All right. We are off and running today. Mel is going to jump in on this as well. What does he think the Bears should do with the number one pick? Well, he has released his latest mock draft. I'm going to tell you right now, there are some big surprises, at least to me, in this top ten. We'll show you those, plus the giant decision in New York. Keep DJ or draft the quarterback in round one. What will they do? What should they do? We've got all the answers. It's get up on ESPN. Look at Jeff. He's got he's got Lewis. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Get Up is brought to you by Disney and Kugali's Iwaju. All episodes now available only on Disney+. Plus. 
As we roll on, the New York Giants have a fascinating decision in front of them. They've got the sixth pick in the draft. Last time they had that, they took Daniel Jones. Now, maybe they take Daniel Jones's replacement. He's coming off an ACL. Yesterday at the Combine, the general manager, Joe Shane, was supporting his quarterback while keeping his options open. I have faith in Daniel. I have faith in Daniel as our starting quarterback. Where we are at six, we're going to look at everything. We're going to look at everything. We're going to look at all positions. And again, you, you hope you're not up there again. You, you don't want to be picking in the top ten or in the top. But we're it's it's a good draft. It's a solid draft across the board. And we're going to have an opportunity to get a player, good player. And we're going to evaluate all the positions and take the best player we can. So look, a lot of things can and likely will change between now and the end of April. But. I think there is a consensus, Dominique, that there are three big quarterbacks, and then there's a little gap, and then there are others. And the Giants probably at this moment sit in a spot where they're too late to get one of the big three, and they're too early to take the others, most likely, which means if they want to get a quarterback, they will have to make an aggressive move. Should they, Dominique? Are they a team that should be in the business of trying to trade up aggressively? I don't think they should. No. Yeah, I don't think they should trade up for a quarterback at this point. Like, this roster has too many holes in it that they need to fill. I think that we get part of the thing that we pointed out in the first hour about how the number one or the highest drafted quarterbacks don't always work out is a lot because of the situation, not because of the talent of the quarterback. And mm-hmm. I think that the most successful quarterbacks will be the ones that go into good situations, and that situation is not advantageous for success right now. That said, Dominique, you are, if nothing else, the most pragmatic person I know. The people making these decisions with the Giants right now may very well have their jobs on the line if things don't turn around there quickly or if there aren't some signs of hope. Are, are, you, are you betting your job on Daniel Jones, if nothing else, staying healthy for a season? He's not been able to do that much. Sorry, I didn't hear the end of what you just said. Uh, the injury factor, like 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 Brian Dayball, and the, oh, yeah. his job right. may depend on what their record is next year. Right? That 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 feels like it's a factor in this somewhere. No. Yeah, no, I mean, the the moral hazard that comes with being a coach and a general manager of a team, your your incentives are not always aligned with the timeline of what's best for the team. So there is going to be some panic. But I think Brian Dayball bought himself some time with the successful first season. But the mess that it was last year was a problem all the way up into the the issues that they had with the coaching staff. I don't think any one player is going to solve that. They're going to have to redesign the way that they're doing things. And hopefully a a healthy Daniel Jones will have them have a lot more success and save some people's jobs because you're right. The pressure, we, we just went from him being a coach of the year type of guy to now being considering this season might make or break his future in New York. Especially with Bill Belichick out there. Go ahead, Jeff. Joe Shane, the general manager we're talking about, and Brandon Bean, who we heard from going into the break, talking about how if I drafted the right guy, it's no one cares. And if I didn't, uh, I'm out of a job anyway. Shane and Bean are best friends, Okay. Shane was there in Buffalo when they drafted Josh Allen, and he did so, he saw the level of conviction. I remember talking to Shane and Bean about it before they drafted Allen. They knew that was the guy, and they were going to go get him. If Joe Shane sees somebody in this draft that he knows will change the franchise, I do not believe Mm. he'll be afraid to pull that trigger. I'm not saying he does, but I'm saying if the guy is there, he learned it from Bean. Listen to those words that Brandon Bean said. I guarantee you Joe Shane is willing to apply them. Well, look, and I've been saying it for two weeks. There are at least some similarities in in traits and in size between Drake May and Josh Allen. And and Brian Dayball was very successful with one. I feel like it makes some sense. Go ahead, Lewis. And this would be interesting now because, look, I think as Dominic was just alluding to, 
Just two years ago now, Brian Dayball was considered to be the guy, the guy who can wring more out of less than just about any coach in the NFL. Okay, he was considered that guy. Then thing, then the wheels, and then now remember, he rung more, him and Mike Kafka together rung more out of Daniel Jones than anyone thought was possible. Then the offseason talk was about whether or not Daniel Jones deserved the contract that he got. So obviously John Mara was one of those people who have said, look, we have actively sabotaged this young man's career up until this point with kind of some of the nonsense we have subjected him to and not helped him with. Finally, Brian was supposed to be the one who got that in line. Joe was supposed to be the one who got that in line. Everything, you know, the offensive line, all the assets that were dumped into that position, you know, with the drafting of guys like Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas coming along. Everything was supposed to be trending up. Okay, the drafting of Jalen Hyatt. The, the, the signing of Paris, of Paris Hamilton, like all those things were supposed to, or Paris Campbell, all those things were supposed to be heading in the right, right direction. Now he gets hurt. Daniel Jones gets hurt. Now all of a sudden we're going ahead and we're taking a total left turn and going, Daniel Jones isn't the guy. We're just over a calendar year ago. We just signed him to a long-term contract. Brian Dayball's at the top of the world. Now everything is kind of like flipped. You know, I'm sitting like this. This is kind of wild to me. This, this is kind of like a real tornado of all of a sudden everything was great in New York to now all of a sudden everything is like we got to draft another quarterback? No. Keep building the football team. Keep building the football team, as Dominique alluded to. You still need to protect the quarterback. They were the most sacked quarterback in the NFL last year. You don't have anything close to a number one wide receiver. The defense is going to need to be revamped and kind of supported as well. I don't think this is the time to start moving up and making bold moves. They have a nice, you know, collection of draft picks this year. Supplement it. Use, use all of those guys and continue to build out this roster. Dominique, final word. This is, yeah, this is the moral hazard that I'm talking about because if you feel like you need to prove something this coming season, then I think the decisions that you make are not going to be in the best interest of the franchise going forward. What they need mm-hmm. to do and the point that I think I try to make almost every year around this time is the situation decides the quarterback as much as the quarterback does. It's not a, a coincidence that all the best quarterbacks in football right now came into really good situations. So the smart thing to do is not to believe that there is some single quick fix a la Joe Burrows, the only one that I've seen do it in recent history, that the way that you're going to do it is the way that all the other teams seem to have done it, is build up something that is prepared to receive a quarterback. And maybe that quarterback has to sit uh, for a year or two. But the point is, the best, the, the way that you have success is not by um, drafting the most talented quarterback, but getting one of the very many talented quarterbacks into a good situation where they can develop. For what it's worth, your friend Mr. Kuyper, Lou, has uh, the Giants doing exactly that, has them taking Roma Dunze at number six, the outstanding wide receiver from Washington. So we will see. Mel's going to jump in here next. His mock draft number two is up. It's available right now. Huge decisions, some real surprises right near the top. Let the risky business begin. We'll have Mel and all our opinions. Plus, do the Cowboys have a culture problem? Ownership spoke about it yesterday for the first time. You need to hear what was said, and you will as we roll forward. And Mel Kuyper, the man who invented the draft, joins the party next on ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We're back on Get Up. Before I get to anything else, bottom of the hour, if you haven't seen it yet, Cavs and Mavs, roll it again. Doncic bounce underneath the PJ and he laid it in with 2.6 to go. Cavs out of timeout. Struce into Mobley. Back to Max. Half court shot. Good! Good! He hit it! Cavs win! Do you believe this? This place is going crazy! Max Struce, I don't believe it! Absolute heartbreak city! Max Struess hits a 59-foot walk-off, the second-longest game-winning buzzer beater in the three-point era. You see only Devontae Graham had one longer. Struess actually scored 15 points in the final four minutes. He single-handedly outscored Dallas in that span. Crazy night, crazy game, crazy win for the Cavaliers. Meanwhile, for me, it's like Christmas, and he's Santa Claus because Mel has a mock draft up right now mock draft 2.0 is available for you and here we go we are approaching the one-year anniversary of the bears trading last year's top pick to carolina this year mel has the bears hanging on to that pick and taking caleb williams at number one that does seem to be the consensus opinion at number two he has the commanders taking Jaden daniels this is where the real debate, I believe, will lie between Daniels and Drake May. You'll see it both ways in a lot of mock drafts. That would leave May to go number three overall to the Patriots. If that happens, it'll be the earliest the Patriots have taken a quarterback since Drew Bledsoe back in 1993. So that's the very top of Mel's mock. There's some surprises in here if you are one of these draft geeks like myself and have been following the top 12. 
I will mention the quarterback that you see in there is uh, J.J. McCarthy, who you see going at number 12 to Denver. Those are the only four quarterbacks Mel has in round one in this mock draft. Again, the entire thing is available. I live for these. I mean, I literally will just sit now and look at this for the rest of the day. And here's our five boxes. We are ready to go, and Mel joins the conversation. So, so Mel, we opened it as, as I think most conversations for the moment will. With the Bears facing a practically unprecedented set of circumstances with a quarterback like Justin Fields in place who most people believe you can win with if you choose to. If you were in their position, would you be taking phone calls? Would you be seriously considering trading out of the number one spot and building around the quarterback they already have? Grant, you have to entertain offers because if you get blown away by some bonanza that somebody offers you in return for that number one pick overall and you have Justin Fields who has shown he can be a really good quarterback, maybe get into that tier beyond Pat, behind Patrick Mahomes where the other quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, are right now. Can he get to that level? Maybe he can. So if you get blown away and you don't have a second-round pick, that was obviously the sweat trade, which was a great trade. You could recoup a lot of draft capital and a lot of players you can add on to this roster. Build your depth, build your talent on both sides of the ball. You have to entertain that offer. Now, Justin Fields is going to get you, what, a two and a four? Jeff can talk about that. Not nearly as much as Caleb will, that number one pick overall will. So, but you'll still get something. So either way, you're going to get draft capital, but you're going to get a, maybe a bonanza by trading the number one pick overall. That's if you feel strongly about Justin Fields. That's up to them and Ryan Pohl to determine. But in order for me to not take Caleb Williams, it has to be an offer I simply could not refuse. So, so to you, there is a clear-cut space at the top of this. It's Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. and then in your mind, there is a definitive uh, space between him and then Jaden Daniels and Drake May. I'll say this. Uh, the detractors, and there's a couple out there that have been negative about Caleb Williams, and I talked to them. A friend of mine's son in the league now was in the league, and he had Super Bowl rings. They said, well, you know, yeah, that the Notre Dame game bothered me. A couple other games bothered me. Something wasn't right. I said, well, what about 2022? Oh, he was spectacular. He was sensational. The late great Bill Walsh told me once, if you see somebody be great, it's up to the coaches to maintain that level of greatness. We saw that with Caleb last year. We saw it early this year until the Notre Dame game and a couple games thereafter. So it's up to the coaching staff to maintain that greatness. As, as, as Nick said, get the talent around him in the right system with the right coaching. If everything's in place, Caleb Williams, and I watched this kid play high school football at Gonzaga here in this area. He has been a guy who's been dynamic from the get-go. And he was spectacular in 2022 and early this year. Uh, like I said, I'm going to have to get blown away by an offer to not take Caleb Williams number one overall for the Bears. All right. And so at this moment, you have Jaden Daniels at two and Drake May at three. Lewis, that's going to be, I think, one of the real pressure points in this draft. The, the, the variety of opinion that I've heard already, and we're still mm-hmm. two months away from these decisions being made ultimately, has been remarkable. I mean, all over the place. To you, Lewis, for those who have not heard your opinion, Who's the second-best quarterback in this yeah. draft? I don't think there's any question it's Jaden Daniels because of the combination of skills that he brings in terms of being a run threat and a pass threat. And I'm not just talking about a out-of-structure pass threat. I'm talking about a guy who can distribute the football to all three levels of the field, make very difficult throws. His off-target throw percentage in comparison to a guy like Drake May is much, much better. It's much better 
in terms of his ability to throw the football with accuracy, throw the football with repeatable uh, mechanics, the kind that you see in the NFL and you go, that looks like an NFL caliber thrower. I know he was throwing to Malik Neighbors. A lot of us would love to throw to Malik Neighbors. I know that Drake May didn't have a receiver on his roster this year that is like Malik Neighbors, as talented as him. But this is a guy who I'm telling you, if you feel comfortable with everything that is going on with him off the football field in terms of his football intelligence, his home life, his family life, his support structure, and you believe that what you saw last year is just a stepping stone to what he can ultimately become, then there's no question that you take him number two overall. Because for me, I think he is a much more natural passer of the football and fits today's game and has a higher ceiling than what Drake May has. I just believe that based off of what I see, I can't wait to find out what I hear about him moving through this pre-draft process. Jeff, you're obviously the one with your ear to the ground, talking to everyone, listening to everyone. What are you hearing? What are your thoughts here? Well, look, this is exactly what's happening at the scouting combine right now. This is the discussions that they're having, the evaluations. And to Lewis's point, I think this is mostly at the combine about getting in the room. The film is already there for these guys. It's getting in the room with these players. So many times in the past at other combines, I have heard from general managers that have their, their opinions swayed by their meetings with these players. It's the reason why this week in Indianapolis is so very important to this process. And, and, and Dominique, we all know there are so many other factors here. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. No, I, I think the big choice between May and Jaden Daniels comes down to, like, the arm strength. And it's just, like, the type of quarterback that you want. Like, Drake May has the arm strength, I think, that people believe can overcome, like, maybe a late re late read or something like that. Jaden Daniels, I wouldn't say, has that same type of arm strength. But then he has the high floor provided by his running ability. And then, again, how often do we see people pass up on 6'4", 230-pound guys with cannon arms? We've seen that work in the league a lot. And that would be Drake May. While Jaden Daniels is pretty tall. He's also pretty slight and he has a propensity, I guess, to get lit up, which is about sometimes the decisions that he makes running the ball, not passing the ball, which are more concerning to me than anything else. But both of these guys, I think, shape up well to fit into the right situation. I think it comes down to a choice between the style of quarterback that you're more comfortable coaching or developing around. And then, Mel, let me come back to you because quarterbacks obviously are always the interesting piece of this. There were going to be fans out there wondering how high is too high for the next ones to go. So if you're the New York Giants, for example, and you're considering taking a quarterback and you, are, you either don't want to or can't get up to number three, you're sitting at number six. If, if at number six, Mel, I'm taking us right now, we're, we're sitting in Detroit, you, me, Lewis Booger, we're sitting there and they turn in the card and we hear at number six, the New York Giants select J.J. McCarthy, quarterback from Michigan. What will you say, Mel? I'd be really surprised. Uh, I wouldn't say shocked, but very surprised that they would pass up Romo Dunes or Malik Neighbors to help Daniel Jones, who I believe in. I liked him when he came out. I wasn't critical of that pick. I liked him throughout his career. And to not go with a receiver to help Daniel Jones would make absolutely no sense to me. Uh, this team has a chance, I think, to be very much improved. You get a guy who like Odunze and Neighbors, Daniel Jones coming back from the injury. looks like he's on schedule to be ready for camp, ready for the season. Okay? Help this guy out. I mean, come on. Uh, this guy showed two years ago, like I said, the old Bill Walsh comment about, hey, if he showed you he can be good, it's up to the coaches in the organization to get the infrastructure around him and keep that and maintain that level of consistency. I am taking a receiver at six if I'm the New York Giants. And that said, Lewis, I'd love you to share a story because you're a person who's been, as they say in Hamilton, in the room where it happens. When we, when we actually get oh. there, when we get to draft night, 
There are going to be a lot of other factors at play, Lewis. I'd love you to share that because I think the audience will find it as fascinating yeah, as yeah. I did. Yeah, I think the cleaner you can keep the operation on draft night, the better. The cleaner you can keep the operation heading up to the draft, the better. Because what can wind up happening is like between now and the draft and then on the draft in particular, depending upon what your setup is, you can have all kinds of people sitting in the draft room that have – I'm sure nowadays that have computers in front of them and have access to the entire scouting database and what scouts think and ultimately what the top 100 board looks like, who all of a sudden now have an opinion. They, they now want to weigh in. They now want to be draft gurus. They now maybe have the ear of someone who is high up in the pecking order in terms of making decisions. And things can get real haywire. They can get real haywire. You need to keep this nice and simple and remember this. There will not be any football that will have been played for about four months by the time we get to the draft. No one will have thrown any more passes. No one will have made any more outside of structure runs. None of that. And I think the people who have been involved in this process the entire time need to be the ones who you keep close to you and you keep things in perspective with. Because if not, all of a sudden a whole lot of confirmation bias and a whole lot of other things start coming into play here. Personal preference, personal feelings that can kind of lead you down the wrong road if you're not careful. So I think keeping the main thing the main thing is critical right now. Critical. Mel, put a final word on it here again. Mock Draft 2.0 is up right now. Final word, Mel. Yeah, I think Drake May is the most intriguing guy because he was supposed to challenge Caleb Williams, but he had some head-scratching games, but he had a heck of a 2022 season. He's only 21 years of age. He's the interesting guy, one of the most interesting players in this draft to see if he maintains that third pick overall spot to New England who needs that young quarterback, but they also need to build around the quarterback. Uh, Mac Jones had no chance. They really did a disservice to Mac Jones in New England. Uh, you know, oh Drake May, obviously, at three. Do they take him? Do they trade the pick? What do they do? To me, Drake May is the guy that we're going to keep an eye on because, like I say, going into this year, we thought he could be the next Justin Herbert and challenge Caleb Williams. That didn't happen because he lost his top receiver and he had a new coordinator and things went awry in some games. But uh, he's got talent, this kid does. All right, we'll talk a lot more about him. Mock Draft 2.0 available right now. We'll have Mel back a little later in this show as we continue. By the way, a reminder, ESPN Bet is the official sports book of ESPN and the only place to find exclusive offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. New users get $100 in bonus bets after making any sports book bet. Download today. What a play. Coming up, for the first time, the Cowboys' ownership has addressed their culture issues. You need to hear what they said. And you need to hear our reaction, and you will. Plus, the fuss about Russ. He's not ruling out a return to Denver. What is his coach there thinking? You'll hear from him. Jeff has a lot to say. We're getting ready to roll. It's Get Up on ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Black people have influenced every aspect of American life. Don't believe me? Just take a look at what's happening in gymnastics. 
For the first time ever, black gymnasts took home the gold, silver, and bronze medals in the women's all-around competition at the 2023 World Championships. And at the college level, athletes like Trinity Thomas, like MJ Frazier, Nia Smith, Jordan Childs, and the queen of the floor, Darion Goborn, are infusing the sport with style and swag. Simone Biles is the GOAT, but judging by the talented black women in the sport today, gymnastics is in good hands. And we are back on Get Up. Our next stop is Dallas, where the Cowboys are entering a pivotal offseason. We know about Dak Prescott, his cap number, all his leverage, everything else. But coming off another early playoff exit, team culture has been a huge topic of conversation. Yesterday, for the first time, Stephen Jones was asked about it. Here's what he said. From the organization on down, we feel, we feel good about our culture. You always want to be better. I will say that. Our leadership on our team's outstanding. So, you know, you're always going to have somebody who's, you know, going to say something, uh, you know, that's not, you know, that might be, hey, that's their particular thought process on why we may have come up short, but I don't think in general. Personally, I don't think it's an issue. That's what he said. Dominique, what's your reaction? Yeah, I mean, they've had a lot of success, although they haven't won a Super Bowl since the 90s. They've had a lot of success, so it's hard to completely, like, denigrate what their culture is, having not been in the building. But we have seen some recent, like, demonstrations of their culture with players being critical of the star quarterback. And it, to me, it reminds me, I, I think I was on the show on uh on Tuesday, and we had Graziano say that Ryan Poles is not concerned about our rundown for mm -hmm. Get Up. That's true of Ryan Poles and the Bears. It feels like that the Cowboys are definitely 100% concerned with our rundown. They're concerned <laughs> with making uh, the most exciting and interesting reality show that they can, which generates more and more attention. And that's not new. And that's the part where it seems like at some point there has to be decisions made whether winning is more important or increasing franchise value by having giving people something to talk about. And it always seems like the latter is the most important down there in Dallas. It, it, it. It's a fascinating way of looking. Je Jeff Darlington, what do you think? It, it can be hard. Look, I, I, I witnessed a lot of what was going on with the in-season hard knocks that was down here in South Florida with the Dolphins. It's a challenge to have those cameras around, to have that drama, to have that entertainment value around you all time. But I will also tell you there are CEOs and presidents around the league that I've talked to who look at Jerry Jones and say, that is exactly what we all want to do. So there is a fine line to walk here, and it can impede on your culture. Uh, I'm not saying they have a culture problem or, or not. That's something that they'll have to figure out on their own, but it comes with a lot of weight, a lot of pressure when you do want to be such an entertaining team. Well, they, they have a lot of very young, very mm. high-profile people mm -hmm. who, who are celebrities. And, right, right, maybe, Lewis, like, a lot of football players become stars. Yeah. In Dallas, they become celebrities. There's a little difference there, and, 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 and it may have some impact on the way we view it. What do you think? When, when they say, do they have a culture problem, what does Lewis think? Yeah, I, I think the problem is exactly what you're alluding to, is that this team is looked at more for their celebrity status in the way in which their names circulate on social media and in sports in general, and, and not as much for ultimately what got them as an organization to celebrity status in the first place. 
which was the dynasty of the 90s. And look, that is exactly, and, and before that, and that's exactly what Emmett Smith has alluded to. The fact that, look, you know what? These guys are profiting off of the brand that we built. Me, Troy, yeah. um, Michael, uh, Eric Williams, Larry Allen, Tony Casillas, Kevin Smith, Darren Woodson. We built that brand. Y'all are just now benefiting from it. You guys are getting more and more and more attention and more money and becoming bigger stars on the backs of what we accomplished on the field. Now, that's not to say that this isn't a talented football team, because it is. So I'm not going to – so I don't I don't know if they have a culture problem. What I do know, what I do know is that they have a defensive size problem. I know they have a stop-the-run problem against teams like the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills, and I know until they fix that – they ain't going anywhere. They're not winning any championships. Because you, you can talk about who is saying what about Dak and Micah's you know, podcast and CD needs to get a contract and all. You can talk about that all you want. Until you can line up against 12 personnel and stop it and not put 207-pound linebackers on the field <laughs> and not have people just run through you over and over, as, as Marshawn Lynch said, over and over and over and over and over again. Nobody cares about your culture. People just care about whether or not you can win the big one because that's what Troy and Emmett and Michael did, and they haven't done, point blank. That's the bottom line. The on the field, yeah, the, the on the field stuff matters a lot, but I think that also is part of the culture problem because it does feel like maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but everyone feels like they have a scapegoat to point through to. It's either Mike McCarthy or Dak's fault. And that that keeps the team from looking in the mirror and figuring out where the other issues are. And when you allow that to to like continue, but you then bring back the coach and you keep bringing back the quarterback that you let uh players, families, and other people close to the organization. And not just people close to the organization. A couple years ago, Jerry Jones was suggesting like that the contract negotiation was going to be challenging and maybe Dak won't be back. Like You perpetuate those things. I think it does allow for a scapegoating that does not um, force them to look in the mirror and address some of those on-field issues and some of those game plan concerns that they do have. But you, Go ahead, you know what, though, Nick, the only thing I would say in respect the only thing I would say in response to that is this, though. Look, I, I understand. I understand exactly what you're weighing, what you're saying. Which means sometimes maybe not. They're not really facing reality, the reality of where they actually are as far as one through fifty-three, what this roster looks like. But there are people in that building who that's their job. That's their job, regardless of yeah. what people are saying about Dak, what CD saying about Dak, or Micah saying about CD, or Micah saying about Dak, or what Jerry is saying. There's people in there whose job is to go, hey, look, man, you know what? When Buffalo decided to line up and put big people on the field, we had no answer. When Green Bay came down here with Jordan Love, they ran through us at will. And we are not ultimately going to get to what everyone keeps basically getting on us about the most, which is we can't win the big game. That's that's where the focus needs to be. And from there, it's funny how things will kind of work themselves out once you start getting those big wins under your belt. They've done that. They've done a good job of building. Okay, go ahead. 
Yeah, look, I'm up against the clock, so I got to go. But I, we'll come back to this. I knew this would take over. We have just so much good stuff today, and we will get it all in, I promise. By the way, we got good basketball coming your way tonight, too. We'll see Indiana against New Orleans. So you'll see Zion, you'll see Halliburton, and then we got the battle for LA LeBron and Kawhi, the Lakers and the Clippers, all the action tonight on ESPN. Uh, coming up, we go back to all our football, all our draft stuff. Justin or the field. Did the Bears drop a hint on their plans? We'll tell you why this thing might go on a lot longer than you are expecting. Boy, we're rolling along. Get up with ESPN. Black people have influenced every aspect of American life. Don't believe me? Just take a look at what's happening in gymnastics. For the first time ever, black gymnasts took home the gold, silver, and bronze medals in the women's all-around competition at the 2023 World Championships. And at the college level, athletes like Trinity Thomas, like MJ Frazier, Nia Smith, Jordan Childs, and the queen of the floor, Darion Goborn, are infusing the sport with style and swag. Simone Biles is the GOAT, but judging by the talented black women in the sport today, gymnastics is in good hands. And we are back on Get Up. Our next stop is Dallas, where the Cowboys are entering a pivotal offseason. We know about Dak Prescott, his cap number, all his leverage, everything else. But coming off another early playoff exit, team culture has been a huge topic of conversation. Yesterday, for the first time, Stephen Jones was asked about it. Here's what he said. From the organization on down, we feel, we feel good about our culture. You always want to be better. I will say that. Our leadership on our team's outstanding. So, you know, you're always going to have somebody who's, you know, going to say something, uh, you know, that's not, you know, that might be, hey, that's their particular thought process on why we may have come up short, but I don't think in general. Personally, I don't think it's an issue. That's what he said. Dominique, what's your reaction? Yeah, I mean, they've had a lot of success, although they haven't won a Super Bowl since the 90s. They've had a lot of success, so it's hard to completely, like, denigrate what their culture is, having not been in the building. But we have seen some recent, like, demonstrations of their culture with players being critical of the star quarterback. And it, to me, it reminds me, I, I think I was on the show on uh, – on Tuesday, and we had Graziano say that Ryan Poles is not concerned about our rundown for mm -hmm. Get Up. That's true of Ryan Poles and the Bears. It feels like that the Cowboys are definitely 100% concerned with our rundown. They're concerned <laughs> with making uh, the most exciting and interesting reality show that they can, which generates more and more attention. And that's not new. And that's the part where it seems like at some point there has to be decisions made whether winning is more important or increasing franchise value by having giving people something to talk about. And it always seems like the latter is the most important down there in Dallas. It, it, it's a fascinating way of looking. Je Jeff Darlington, what do you think? It, it can be hard. Look, I, I, I witnessed a lot of what was going on with the in-season hard knocks that was down here in South Florida with the Dolphins. It's a challenge to have those cameras around, to have that drama, to have that entertainment value around you all time. But I will also tell you there are CEOs and presidents around the league that I've talked to who look at Jerry Jones and say, that is exactly what we all want to do. So there is a fine line to walk here, and it can impede on your culture. Uh, I'm not saying they have a culture problem or, or not. That's something that they'll have to figure out on their own, but 
it comes with a lot of weight, a lot of pressure when you do want to be such an entertaining team. Well, they, they have a lot of very young, very mm. high-profile people mm-hmm. who, who are celebrities. And, right, right, maybe, Lewis, like, a lot of football players become stars. Yeah. In Dallas, they become celebrities. There's a little difference there, and, 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 and it may have some impact on the way we view it. What do you think? When, when they say, do they have a culture problem, what does Lewis think? Yeah, I, I think the problem is exactly what you're alluding to, is that this team is looked at more for their celebrity status in the way in which their names circulate on social media and in sports in general, and, and not as much for ultimately what got them as an organization to celebrity status in the first place, which was the dynasty of the 90s. And look, and that is exactly, and, and before that, and that's exactly what Emmett Smith has alluded to. The fact that, look, you know what? These guys are profiting off of the brand that we built. Me, Troy, yeah. um, Michael, uh, Eric Williams, Larry Allen, Tony Casillas, Kevin Smith, Darren Woodson. We built that brand. Y'all are just now benefiting from it. You guys are getting more and more and more attention and more money and becoming bigger stars on the backs of what we accomplished on the field. Now, that's not to say that this isn't a talented football team, because it is. So I'm not going to – so I don't I don't know if they have a culture problem. What I do know, what I do know is that they have a defensive size problem. I know they have a stop-the-run problem against teams like the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills, and I know until they fix that – they ain't going anywhere. They're not winning any championships. Because you, you can talk about who is saying what about Dak and Micah's you know, podcast and CD needs to get a contract and all. You can talk about that all you want. Until you can line up against 12 personnel and stop it and not put 207-pound linebackers on the field <laughs> and not have people just run through you over and over, as, as Marshawn Lynch said, over and over and over and over and over again. Nobody cares about your culture. People just care about whether or not you can win the big one because that's what Troy and Emmett and Michael did, and they haven't done, point blank. That's the bottom line. The on the field, yeah, the the on the field stuff matters a lot, but I think that also is part of the culture problem because it does feel like maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but everyone feels like they have a scapegoat to point through. To it's either Mike McCarthy or Dak's fault, and that that keeps the team from looking in the mirror and figuring out where the other issues are. And when you allow that to to like continue, but you then bring back the coach and you keep bringing back the quarterback that you let. Uh, players, families, and other people close to the organization. And not just people close to the organization. A couple years ago, Jerry Jones was suggesting like that the contract negotiation was going to be challenging and maybe Dak won't be back. Like You perpetuate those things. I think it does allow for a scapegoating that does not um, force them to look in the mirror and address some of those on-field issues and some of those game plan concerns that they do have. But you, Go ahead, you know what, though, Nick, the only thing I would say in response the only thing I would say in response to that is this, though. Look, I, I understand. I understand exactly what you're weighing, what you're saying. Which means sometimes maybe not. They're not really facing reality. The reality of where they actually are, as far as one through fifty-three, what this roster looks like. But there are people in that building who that's their job. That's their job, regardless of yeah. what people are saying about Dak, what CD saying about Dak, or Micah saying about CD, or Micah saying about Dak, or what Jerry is saying. There's people in there whose job is to go, "Hey, look, man, you know what?" When Buffalo decided to line up and put big people on the field, we had no answer. When Green Bay came down here with Jordan Love 
They ran through us at will. And we are not ultimately going to get to what everyone keeps basically getting on us about the most, which is we can't win the big game. That's that's where the focus needs to be. And from there, it's funny how things will kind of work themselves out once you start getting those big wins under your belt. They've done done a good job of building. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm up against the clock, so I got to go. But we'll come back to this. I knew this would take over. We have just so much good stuff today, and we will get it all in, I promise. By the way, we got good basketball coming your way tonight, too. We'll see Indiana against New Orleans. So you'll see Zion, you'll see Halliburton, and then we got the battle for LA LeBron and Kawhi, the Lakers and the Clippers, all the action tonight on ESPN. Uh, Coming up, we go back to all our football, all our draft stuff. Justin or the field. Did the Bears drop a hint on their plans? We'll tell you why this thing might go on a lot longer than you are expecting. Boy, we're rolling along. Get up with ESPN.